Welcome to Sandy Parish Church Podcasts. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on Sandy Parish Church, please visit our website at sandyparishchurch.org. I've given this morning's talk the title of Harry and Meghan and Grace. <laughs> I wanted to begin with a story that I read in the newspaper this week. As you probably know, Prince Harry and Meghan have had a very mixed relationship with the media and the public. And people tend to be quite divided in the, and opinionated in their comments regarding the couple. One particular controversy was the £2.5 million spent renovating Frogmore Cottage close to Windsor Castle. It was gifted to them by the Queen. Well, last week they hit the headlines because they had signed a multi-million pound contract with Netflix to produce films and documentaries which they want to be upbuilding and positive in nature, using their influence for good, you might say. The headline in the i-newspaper of September the 8th reads, Duke pays back 2.4 million pound cottage costs with Netflix money. Mail on Monday writes, it was revealed that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, who had been paying back the cash in monthly instalments, announced that they had totally refunded the sovereign grant for the redevelopment of Frogmore Cottage. They are very relieved and very pleased to have been able to pay off the debt so quickly, a source said. This has been a proactive step for them and something they wanted to do from the outset. There was no requirement from the Queen to pay back the money, but it was important to them that they did. And after the Netflix deal, they were in a position to do so. I think this is quite a significant moment for them. And I just think that's such a lovely, positive story. But the thing of note for me was the following statement from the I newspaper article. The Republic organisation, which campaigns for an elected head of state, heavily criticised the amount of public money spent at the time. And Graham Smith of the organisation Republic said today, Harry should have paid this bill from the outset rather than expecting the taxpayer to stump up for the cash. Now, whether I'm a pro-monarchy or pro-republic, whether I think the royal family a brilliant piece of heritage and culture or a waste of public money and an anachronism is neither here nor there, what bothered me about the comment from the representative of the organisation Republic was the lack of grace in the response. Here was an opportunity to say... We don't agree with the monarchy, but we applaud a couple trying to do the right thing and setting a good example. Instead, all they could do was moan and say they should have done it sooner. Sometimes we find ourselves in a world of ungrace. So many are unable to break out of their prejudices. And it challenges me to re-examine my prejudices and attitudes. And I think society challenges the church too. The negative statements in a prejudiced response to a positive action, made me think of the statement about Jesus in St. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 16. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, has made him known. Over recent weeks, we've spent quite a lot of time thinking about what God is like and why Jesus is the one who shows us, for he is the image of the invisible God. John writes his gospel account of the life of Jesus, putting onto paper for generations to come. 
he makes this statement, in Jesus a new light has come into the world. And after Jesus' crucifixion, and after 50 years of persecution, John continues the sentence with, this light has come into the world and the darkness has never overcome it. In Jesus, grace takes center stage. Philip Yancey wrote a wonderful book, which I think should be read by all Christians. It's a classic piece of writing and it's had a huge influence on my thinking. It's called, What is so amazing about grace? Yancey describes grace as one of the last great unspoilt words of the English language. It still retains its power and meaning wherever it is used. Queen gives a gift of grace and favour like Frogmore Cottage. The ballerina dances with great grace and beauty. The magazine subscription has run out, but they give you one more grace copy. The judge gives leniency to the first-time offender. It's an act of grace. Even the supermarket gives away lost leaders and calls them gratis for free. The government repatriates the hate preacher, declaring him a persona non grata, a person without grace. No more grace to be shown to this man. The musician makes the song come alive with warmth and harmony by including grace notes, and a woman shows kindness to the undeserving as a sign of grace. The cartoon character, Dennis the Menace, walks down the road with his friend, passes the house of his arch enemy, uh, next door neighbour, Mr Wilson. Mrs Wilson comes out of the front door and calls them over and gives them a cake. I wonder what we've done to deserve this, Dennis asks his friend. His friend replies, Mrs Wilson doesn't give us cake because we've been good. Mrs Wilson gives us cake because she is good. And Jesus, well, he beautifies our lives with grace in this world. He calls his disciples to be people of light, carriers and bearers of grace in an often graceless world. He pours his grace into us so that we might overflow with grace to others. Ephesians 12, chapter 2, verse 12. For it's by grace that you've been saved, not by your own works, so none of you can boast. But he has called you by grace to do the works of grace that he has prepared in advance for you to do. The word in Greek and Latin it means mercy, it means love, it comes from charis, from which we get our word charity. And like love, it's an active word. Love is not something you fall into, it's something that you grow into. It's not an object or a noun, it's a verb, an action word. And grace conveys the meaning of power, to do what is right. When God gives us grace, it is the grace and the power and the strength to do what he wants. The grace and the strength and the power to do the right thing. God's grace is the power to overcome the things we find almost impossible to manage in our lives. The things we find most difficult, the times we feel most weak and vulnerable, we pray for God to remove these difficulties sometimes. But often the greatest courage we can have is simply to get up in the morning and face another day. To discover that in our weaknesses we can find his strength. To discover the bravest thing we can do is to ask for help, his help and the help of others. That's what's so beautiful about the grace being shown in Sandy at the moment through the COVID-19 crisis. The Sandy Good Neighbours Scheme and the Sandy All In It Together Scheme. There are many dozens of people helping one another, sometimes with the gardening, sometimes with shopping, sometimes just a listening ear, sometimes with advice, sometimes walking alongside to help get that advice. It's grace in action. 
And it's a lovely thing in a world that sometimes is characterised by ungrace. The great Apostle Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, defends his reputation by listing some of the qualifications that he has for his ministry. And then he gives us this very personal, very delicate insight into the courage needed to face the chronic ongoing difficulties. Therefore, he writes, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a physical reminder of what is wrong with the world, to torment me. Sometimes, some people speculate that he was losing his sight. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me, but he said to me, my poor, grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, writes Paul, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest in me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I embrace weakness in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I find myself strong. Real challenges for us to rest upon his grace. I wonder what the favourite time of year is for you. Uh, some like harvest, some love Easter, some love the summer coming up. I, I've always liked Christmas. As a child, I loved getting presents and I would hunt them out during the weeks leading up to Christmas. I would sneak a peek beneath the Christmas tree, unwrap the corner of the parcel and have a little look. I would stay awake until the early hours waiting for the presents to be delivered to our bedroom door. And then I would open them all and then go back to sleep. Last year, I was given a present from Anna, my wife, and all neatly wrapped up. I opened it up and found it was a book and a memory stirred. And I said, darling, isn't this the same book that you gave me last year? <laughs> yes, she said, and I am going to go on giving it to you every year until you read it. <laughs> so I decided, perhaps hoping that uh, I get something else for Christmas this year, perhaps I'd better read it this summer. You know that Anna is a woman of her word and I was afraid she might give it to me again at Christmas. The book is called Vanishing Grace. It's a follow-on from the book that I mentioned earlier, again by Philip Yancey, and I'd recommend it to everybody to read. Philip Yancey is somebody who has influenced Anna and I in our thinking. We love his books. Bono, the lead singer of U2, writes, It's a lot to expect authors themselves to live up to the magic of their own words, and it's very special when they do. Philip Yancey has a way about him that can only be described as graceful. These books by Philip Yancey come highly recommended by Nicky Gumbel of the Alpha Course, and I'm glad I picked up this book, Vanishing Grace. It's a book for the moment. It's a book that I would recommend. Whatever happened to the good news of the church? Evangelion comes from the Latin and the Greek. It means good news. Good news is where we get the old English word gospel from. So how come the word evangelism or evangelical has become such a negative concept to the world? This second book on grace is another must read. Grace is not limited to the church. In fact, sometimes it's hard to find it in the church. Grace is to be found in many unexpected places. And the COVID crisis has shown that, as I've already said, many times in many places here in Sandy many different people exhibiting grace. 
But Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace, was an international bestseller. It explored Christianity's great distinctiveness, grace, and what it means on the streets in our everyday life. And in this new book, he returns to the question, what does the church have to offer a broken world? And why do outsiders so often view Christians so negatively? This, uh, the um, contributors write, say, this is a milestone book for those who are trying to live out their faith and to make sense of it in a changing landscape today. You can find copies of this book uh, online buy it secondhand for just a couple of pounds. Recently, Anna and I watched the film called Amazing Grace, telling the story and the struggle of William Wilberforce to pass the law stopping the slave trade and banning slavery in the British Empire. He found strength in his weakness and together with others discovered that God's grace is sufficient to overcome the greatest of obstacles. There's a rendition of that great hymn written in 1772 by Wilberforce's friend, the Reverend John Newton, who was rector of Olney in Bedfordshire. He was ashamed of his former life as captain of the slave ship, and he never fails to move me emotionally. This version of it, sung by ex-president Barack Obama at the funeral of those killed by racism and hatred in Charleston shooting in church in January 2017. At the same time, in February 2017, Stormzy, the British grime artist born in Croydon, uh, he released uh, another more modern song in two parts. Uh, it echoes similar things about God's grace for a new generation. It headlined at the Glastonbury Music Festival in 2019. It's called Blinded by Your Grace. You can find both of these in a search on YouTube in their own way. They both touch my heart powerfully even though they're written 250 years apart. For grace is timeless and eternal, powerful and effective. It's the distinctive mark of the Christian life. How will people ever know whether we are true followers of Jesus or merely cultural Christians? John chapter 13, Jesus says at the Last Supper, it's by your love that people will know that you are my disciples. A secret, writes Paul in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 4 is to think about the good things of life, to think about whatever is good and whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is positive. Fill your mind with these things and then, by God's grace, a peace will come, a peace that goes beyond what you could understand. It will come mysteriously. It will come unexpectedly, a peace that will help you in today's world, in today's circumstances, to find and hold on to his grace, to find power in your weakness and discover that as you lean upon him, he is faithful, for he is our Father who is in heaven. We want his kingdom to come, not the monarchy, not the republic, but his kingdom, the kingdom of grace.